This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you're choosing to join us today. We come together every Sunday as a body of believers from all over the world to do just this. Worship our Lord, unify our faith, renew our minds so that we can become more like Jesus. But if this is your first time finding us online today, I am so glad that you did and I pray that today will be a blessing for you. It's been a busy week. May 1, about three minutes to midnight, I had a new grandson be born. My husband and I are so excited. They named him James Lee. He came in a whopping 11 pounds, 7 ounces, 20 inches long. It was uh, beautiful. He's healthy. Uh, Everybody's doing so well. My uh, granddaughter now is a big sister. And she's getting used to that. So it was a busy week. We got to go and meet him and, and see him. Lots of things happening with the ministry. Lots of things going on. So I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be able to share God's word with you today. I have lots to share with you. Uh, as we uh, look at something else that we can apply to our lives from God's word. Going the extra mile. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you first of all for new life. I thank you for the gift that you have given our family. And I just pray, Lord, protection over him and that you will walk with him and be with his parents as he is raised up to know you. I thank you for all our families and followers, Lord, and I pray protection over their families and their children and their grandchildren and that you will continue to walk with us provide for us that we will believe in your promises and your word. If there's anyone out there right now that needs specific things, Lord, healing or provision, I just pray that you will work and move in such ways that they will receive, that they will believe, that they will trust and know that you love them, that you want to provide for them, that you have already healed everything that Jesus did on the cross, it is finished. We just have to receive now, Lord, and believe and know that you are greater. Know that you are big enough, Lord, for all of the challenges and the circumstances that we face in this world today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come in fall in this place, that you will open up our hearts and our minds for what it is that you have for us. I pray for a fresh anointing that I will speak your truth in love. And I pray, Lord, that you will work and move in our lives in such supernatural ways that all those that look to us will know and believe that we are followers of Jesus. We thank you for this time and we ask that you do mighty and wonderful and supernatural things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So go the extra mile. Have you ever heard of of that comment. I heard that a lot when I was in school. Go the extra mile. I heard that when I was in college. If you go the extra mile, you will see the payoff. 
I heard it when I was in business for 12 years. You always need to go the extra mile for the customer and they will see that we're a good company, that we deliver what we say, go the extra mile. And going the extra mile meant, you know, that if you do more, it will pay off. And maybe that was doing more for the customer. Maybe that was studying extra hard for an assignment or a test or an exam on a school project. But all the time I heard that, I thought it was from this great business person or teacher, this worldly person that came up with that go the extra mile saying, never knew their name, but I'm like, wow, they were, they were really smart going that extra mile. But you may be surprised to know that it wasn't an author, it, it wasn't a great business person or, or, or some person that invented that slogan, no. It was the words of Jesus. And I wanna look at that today so that we can truly understand, maybe for you for the very first time, what going the extra mile really means and what it can mean for us today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter five. We actually have spent a lot of time in five and six. If you joined our online Bible study, we went through the entire Sermon on the Mount. It took us several weeks. I think it was a couple months that took us to go through the entire Sermon on the Mount, uh, on diving deeper, unpacking a uh, line by line, this infamous sermon that Jesus gave to the multitudes. We unpacked it all, but I want us to look specifically today, uh, starting in verse 8, chapter 5, an eye for an eye. We're going to read that right now. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, let me remind you, as I just said, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. And the Sermon on the Mount covered several topics. And if we were to summarize the Sermon on the Mount in one single sentence, it would be something like this. How to live a life that is dedicated to pleasing God, free from hypocrisy, full of love, grace, wisdom, and discernment. He covered so many different things while he spoke that practical, everyday things, how to love your neighbor or your enemy, how to be a light to the world. And, and this one, eye for an eye, right, was law related. The first time the people heard eye for an eye was in the Torah. It was used in Exodus 21, 24. It's a series of commands regarding assault and injury. 
So about three months into their journey, we talked a little bit about this last week, right? Manna from heaven, their escape from Egypt, how Moses leads them out of Egypt and into the desert. They cross the Red Sea. About three months into their journey, God calls Moses up on top of the mountain and gives him the Ten Commandments. He gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments, and rightfully so. We're talking about maybe 2.6 million people that are in the desert following God in about the size of the city of Chicago. All those people. And here, they're navigating and living life every day in community, and they needed some guidelines. They needed to have some direction. They needed some rules. And, and so up until now, when Jesus was giving the sermon to Sermon on the Mount, this is what the people were holding on to. This was the law of Torah. This is what was passed down from generation to generation. The rules, the Torah, and the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And there were about 613 rules that they needed to follow. So this is what the people were hanging on. And this is what the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and all of them, it was all about the rules. So as the people came and listened to the locals, the Pharisees, this is what they got. They got the rules. This is how you do things. This is what God's law says. This is the Torah. So for them, it was all about the rules. But Jesus said in verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This was different for them. Jesus was encouraging them that it was more than just following a rule and doing what you're told. It's about the shape of your heart. It's about the love that you can have in your heart. And isn't this us today? So many times we can just put our nose to the grindstone and follow the rules and do what we're told, going through our lives to the letter. But do we have love? Do we have a relationship with Jesus? Can people see Jesus in us? Or do they just see the religion? They just see the rules. There is there is no heart relationship. 
So let's go back to that for a second, this eye for an eye passage. And let's look at verse 41. Jesus said, And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Go the extra mile. All this time, I thought it was some great businessman who came up with it or some college educator or some teacher, but it was Jesus. So what does that mean? That one sentence, I passed over it for many years. Maybe you have two. You just read it and you're like, okay, yep, go, go two miles. Okay, whatever. But this is why he said this. And this is why the people would have known exactly what he was talking about. That's why it's so important to dive into the text. It's so important to understand the backstory, the background of what we are reading. Well, I found some articles about this and I want to share it with you today. Roman soldiers could force citizens of Israel or any foreigner to carry their backpacks for one mile. Here's some information regarding that. Cyrus, the great king of Persia, invented a postal system to carry letters and documents from one place to another. To make his system work, any carrier could force anyone to carry the mail for one mile, but only one mile. The Romans adopted this system for their military to keep their soldiers from getting worn out from carrying all of the heavy backpacks, which weighed about 66 pounds. Roman soldiers could compel any Jew to carry his backpack for one mile. So what did they do? Roman roads had mile markers similar to the mile markers that we have today on interstate highways. So it was easy to know where the next mile was, when to start, when to finish. And on top of that, if someone refused, the Roman guards, the Roman soldiers could flog the Jews. The Jews hated the Romans because they were Gentile foreigners running their country and they had to pay taxes to Caesar and carrying a Roman backpack for a mile added to their hatred. But actually the distance was two miles, right? So a Roman would grab you and say, hey, I want you to carry my backpack for a, a mile. Whatever you're doing, you need to stop, put down your backpack, your own groceries, whatever you're currently doing, walk a mile, and then you've got to walk a mile back to get back to what you are doing. This was challenging for them to drop everything that they had to go carry somebody's backpack that they didn't even really like. And I'm sure every Roman soldier felt resentment and heard complaining by the person carrying the pack. 
So this is something that's happening in their society. And so when Jesus said that, everybody knew what he was talking about. Not only do I want you to carry it one mile, I want you to go the extra mile. So this isn't two miles now. We're talking about four miles that Jesus was encouraging them to go. What's the payoff in that? I told you that when I grew up listening to that go the extra mile, there was some kind of payoff in mind, some kind of benefit for me that if I did that, I was going to see some results. I was going to see maybe a better grade or a better school project, or I was going to have a different relationship with this customer because we went the extra mile and then maybe they would get on Yelp and say something really nice about the company or Maybe they, you know, say thank you or something. There was always a payoff when somebody said, just go the extra mile. But here we're seeing that there is no payoff. Why would someone want to go an extra mile for a Roman soldier to carry his backpack, stop what he's doing and put his life down on hold for a second and then go walk four miles for someone they didn't even like? We don't carry Roman backpacks anymore. But the principle applies to every area of our life. In our relationships, at home, at school, at our jobs. Christ calls us to go the extra mile, going above and beyond what is asked of us. Why? Because it's not about the rules. It's about the relationship. This was the example that I found. A Roman soldier says to a Christian, Hey, you, carry my pack. The Christian says, Yes, sir. And then he joyfully starts walking along with the soldier. After one mile, the soldier says, Okay, you can put it down now. But the believer says, I would really like to carry it another mile for you, if that's okay. The soldier asks, well, why would you do that? And the believer says, well, I believe in Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he told us to do this for you. The soldier asks, well, who is this Jesus? that you follow. By carrying the pack an extra mile, it not only showed him the love of God, but opened up this opportunity to tell him about Jesus. There's no telling how many soldiers became Christians during that second mile when the Jews would actually willfully go the second mile with them with a good attitude, with a smile, with joy in their step, not working for anybody but for the Lord. And I'm sure we would see a lot more people becoming Christians today if we ourselves would go that extra mile and get rid of that mentality of what's in it for me. Here's the thing. 
That second mile is the freedom mile. The law was designed not as an attack on the physical body, but on the identity. It was designed to show the Jews who they belong to. You belong to us. You will do what we say. But we have freedom to walk a second mile when we know who we are, when we know who we belong to, and that's Jesus Christ. Not any government, not any socio or political uh, community, but to Jesus Christ himself. If our actions are bound by what is required of us, by our circumstances, then we become trapped. Let me say that again. If we are going to operate in what our circumstances say that we should operate in, we are prisoners, right? We're no longer walking on top of our circumstances. We're walking underneath of them. This is what it says I should be doing in this situation. So we're, we're bound to that situation. Jesus is saying it's not about the rules. If you love me, you can show that love to other people in spite of what's happening, in spite of your circumstances. And, and when you do that, you will have joy. When you do that, there will be freedom. When you do that, you are showing people how they can live if they believe in me. So it's not only a freedom, it's an opportunity. Oftentimes when we're only doing the bare minimum and we're grumbling the entire time, there is no joy in that. There is no, wow, I want to do that. That looks like fun. No, it's when we go the extra mile and we show joy and we exude joy that people will be interested. Well, well why did you do that? And, and why are you happy about it? And well, tell me more about what inspires you. And then you can say, well, let me tell you about my Jesus. When we choose to go above and beyond, suddenly that which was a chore or a hard thing, which stole our joy, it no longer has power over us. And for the Jewish people, they are no longer being forced to carry a soldier's pack. It is their choice. They're doing it because they want to. And it is the same for us today. Our world is becoming this place where we ask, well, what's in it for me? How will this benefit me in my situation, my circumstances? Because, brother, it's a hard life right now. So what's in it for me and how will this help me? But Jesus shows us that it's not about us at all. It's about the Father. When we spent that time back in March and early April and we looked at the ministry of Jesus from the time that he came into the world until he started off and everything that he did, it was all about giving glory to the Father. It was all about a servant's heart. Everything Jesus did was for his father's glory, serving and loving. And it was pretty much always to the least of these, 
He sat with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. He shared his ministry when he was first born. The father shared it with shepherds in the field, the lowest caste. He helped lepers and those that nobody wanted to be around. He showed everyone his love, taught them how to live, how to serve. What if we did that? What if we choose to go above and beyond even when it costs us something? See, what did Jesus' ministry cost him? It cost him his life. We are oftentimes not willing to have to have it cost us anything, right? So we hold back. But what if we choose to bless our enemies and willingly serve and to help them and get rid of our resentment, get rid of the, the struggle that we have against them? What if we choose to follow in Christ's footsteps, knowing that it is through radical love that wins people to Christ. Supernatural love, not about laws, but about relationships. What if we too were to operate in the way that Jesus did? When we set ourselves apart, surrendering our lives to Jesus and following him, people are going to take notice. People are going to ask questions, well, why are you different? Why aren't you afraid right now when everything in this world is falling apart? Well, why do you have joy when, man, you're going through a really challenging time right now or your husband's in the hospital. Why do you have joy? People are going to take notice of how we are acting and reacting during situations that otherwise would call for depression or fear or sadness or anger, or resentment, or retaliation. We are called to live in such a way that those outside the faith will see that there is something different about us. They will see Jesus in us and wonder, why do they have peace in this crazy world? Why do they have joy? Why are they kind to me when I have been nothing but mean? And my friends, I know this isn't easy. And Jesus knew it too. That's why he tells us that we can't do it in our own strength. It's only when we have Jesus living in us that we are to operate the same way that he did. We need Jesus. And Here's the thing, when he ascended into heaven, the helper came, right? At Pentecost, with him, with the Holy Spirit, we can step one day at a time holding his hand, allowing God's Spirit to live in us, in our temples, to help us navigate each day, each step, each encounter, each person. Maybe where you're at today, you're saying, you know what, Amy, (laughs) this all sounds really good, but I'm having a hard enough time carrying my own stuff right now. I certainly don't want to go an extra mile with someone that I don't even like. It's not easy living in this world, I know. And the Bible tells us 
that it's only going to get harder. Harder than this? Yes, harder than this. It's going to get even more challenging to walk this out every single day. But when we choose Jesus, when we surrender our lives and live for him alone, setting ourselves apart, setting ourselves apart from this world, right? And loving all those around us, loving them in a way that Jesus calls us to do so that people know that we are followers. We need to be able to keep holding his hand and trusting in him and trusting in his promises and rebuking the enemy. The enemy's goal is to distract us and detour us off of God's path, right? To make us forget who we truly are, to make us forget that we are image bearers of God. And if he can distract us and detour us and get us out of God's peace, out of that shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken, then he can attack us. And then we are fighting for our lives and our, our own selves. And we have no time to help anybody else. We're, we're putting out our own fires. That's the enemy's number one goal is to distract us from God, to take us off the path with Jesus in our hearts and having his peace, the Prince of Peace, we can walk on top of our circumstances. We can let the enemy not interfere with us. We can rebuke him and throw him at the feet of Jesus and keep operating in our lives to be a light to the world, a beacon of hope to the world where people will ask, why, why are you different? And we have to continue to step out in faith every single day, no matter how hard it is, remembering that this is not our home. One day, Jesus is going to return and take us home to our heavenly home. And there will be no more tears and no more sadness and no more death to remind you of that. I want to read you these final verses in Revelation. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I never knew what it meant to walk 
the extra mile. But I know now. And once you know something, you can't unknow it. You can only choose not to follow the direction, not to follow the word. I want to encourage you today, now that you know what it's like to walk an extra mile, to do it. To do everything that God has called us to do. To not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We have all been commissioned to share the love of Jesus Christ, to encourage one another, to share the gospel, to let everyone know of the possibilities they have of having a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with Jesus Christ and what that looks like today. And there are so many people that are hurting, struggling, asking for someone to help them. We can turn a blind eye. We can just take in their reaction to their own struggle, which a lot of times people today are showing us anger and fear and resentment because they're scared, because they don't know any better, because they're lost. And so you're seeing all of the fleshly things that are coming out in that lack, right? They're missing something. They're missing God's perfect shalom. And what you're seeing is all of the hardship that's coming out in anger or abuse or resentment or bitterness. We need to put all of that aside and walk with them the extra mile. And along the way, I guarantee that you're not going to see that hard shell of a person anymore. They're going to ask questions. They're going to want to know, well, why are you different? Why are you helping me? Why are you speaking kind to me? Why are you paying me attention? And it's in those moments that you will then be able to tell them about your Jesus. Tell them why you're doing what you're doing, why you are going the extra mile. And we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds knowing that the Lord is going to make a great harvest. But it's now's the time to do it. It's a crucial time. It's a critical time to make sure that we are doing everything that we have been commissioned to do until Jesus comes again. I want to encourage you today and every day to let us choose to go the extra mile, walking in the freedom that only Jesus can give us. Only Jesus. In him we have true freedom. True freedom in living the full life that he promises each and every one of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you know, as you look down and see our world, that it's a challenging place to be right now. There's so much evil. There's so many attacks. There's so many things happening. The earth is groaning, Lord, waiting for your return. And I ask 
that you will break in, that you will help each one of us in our own journeys, that we can walk on top of our circumstances, that we can apply your truth to our lives in such a way that we will be able to walk this out, this freedom, this relationship, until you come again. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you that we can align our hearts and our lives with your word so that we can be more like you. Help us, Lord, to do that. I pray for each one listening, each one watching today, that you will meet them exactly where they are and give them exactly what they need in this moment, that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that it is you. We thank you for this time. We seal it all up by the blood of Jesus. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for being here today and for joining us. I pray this was a blessing and encouraging word. Have a wonderful week. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.